Well, hello and welcome to the Wood Podcast. We're here for a special series at Cedar Week 2023 in Houston, Texas. My name is Colin Ross. I am going to be hosting our conversation and I'm really delighted to welcome Justin Jackson here to the podcast. Justin is Senior Vice President for our Processing Chemicals Business in the Americas. Justin, welcome to Cedar Week. Welcome to the podcast. How's it been? You've been here for a couple of days. How's uh, Cedar Week treating you? Yeah, no. So, so first of all, thank you for having me on, and it's been a uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to be here so far. Um, I've had the opportunity to participate in a number of the um, the interactive sessions that have gone on, as well as to uh, uh, participate in some of the panels that that have, that have gone on. Gotten to meet with some of our clients that are here um, from around the globe, and so it's been a, a pretty rewarding experience so far. And I'm looking forward to continuing to be part of it over the course of the rest of the week. Brilliant. So, this morning you participated in the executive conference. You were part of a session on investment in downstream. Yep. How was it? What was your immediate reflections on the discussions you were having? Sure, so I got to participate in a panel that um, this morning that was focused on kind of how to get projects financed or, or what are the, the projects that are essentially gonna move forward within the downstream space over the course of the next few years with all of the pressure on um, you know, the balance between energy security and energy transition. Um, it was, it was a, a great experience because the, the panel was made up of myself, um, the, uh, someone from the leadership of Honeywell UOP, um, and then also somebody from uh, the Kuwait uh, National Petroleum Company. So um, with that, you got kind of the owner perspective, the perspective of kind of the technology providers, and then also the, the contractor perspective. Um, so my initial impressions were very good because I think we got a lot of good reception because there, there was a really good discussion on, you know, in, in some parts of the world where energy security needs to be essentially the primary concern or where people are really more in a short-term, um, you know, looking at short-term returns when they're evaluating whether or not projects are going to move forward or how they're going to invest their capital. And then also focused on in other parts of the world where it's you're able to take a longer view or a more medium-term view yeah. of, um, of of how to do that, and getting a lot of projects that are going to be more focused on things that are going to be, you know, long-term parts of the energy transition, whether it's, uh, you know, and, and anyway, the different pathways that you're going to end up having for decarbonizing the major refining assets and the major petrochemical assets across the uh, across the world. So this pathways was was kind of an important part of the discussion, right? Yeah. And, and there's a number of different ways that we can get from where we are today to where we want to be tomorrow in terms of energy transition. What are the ones that were exciting you? What, what stood out? Sure. Well, so when you look at the pathways, I mean, the, the ones that are kind of the primary discussion points, not just in our session, but throughout the, the all of Sarah Week right now, um, have been kind of the discussions of how do you integrate either um, biofuels or, or, or essentially renewable fuels um, as an output in order to meet kind of today's demand, um, but and then also um, you know, green, or essentially renewable hydrogen, where, where you have the, the lowest or, or no carbon intensity or, or blue hydrogen or low carbon hydrogen where you're um, coupling you know, natural gas synthesis with uh, um, carbon capture or in, in utilization of storage. And so within those pathways, I think that for me, the really exciting part of the discussion was, you know, we focused a lot on what can refiners or, or petrochemical companies do in the short term to make the most impact. And I think a lot of that discussion came around the replacement fuels, the drop-in fuels. Um, and, and it's an exciting discussion for me because some of our major projects here in the Americas 
are focused on on not just converting or or you know working with existing refiners to transform their assets to be able to produce renewable diesel SAF um, or other other renewable fuels, but um, also that entire supply chain that or the, the entire value chain along there of where do they get their feedstock? Is is the feedstock going to be available? And, and those have also been a lot of the projects, whether it's seed oils or, or um, you know, other, other upstream assets, cellulosic biomass, things like that, that can supply that. And they're all areas that, that Wood really specializes in and uh, that my team specializes in. So it was an, a very exciting part of the, um, the, the discussion because it, it essentially, you know, looks at the way that we've been developing our group over the last, you know, probably five, six years, um, really caters well to what a lot of the owners and, and the, uh, the technology providers are kind of agreeing is, is maybe the, the, the fastest path to decarbonization for some of those refiners. Yeah, and uh, you got, I guess, uh, it would have been resonating nicely with you in the opening remarks where Mike Worth from, from Chevron was talking about their, their bet that they're making on biofuels with REG acquisition, all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that I got to talk about that example because um, obviously we're the the EPCM contractor for the the engineering contractor for the REG project, which was eventually acquired by Chevron, and then um, upstream of that, we're also involved in a lot of the design for some of the uh, the agrochemical companies that are doing the seed oils that uh, and the vegetable oils that are going to end up being used as the feedstock for REG and other projects. And so I think it really speaks to, to Wood's ability to, to, to cater to the entire, that, that entire thing. And, and, and yeah, so when the, the major owners are, are talking about the same thing and, and are, are essentially shaping their companies to kind of match the, uh, some of the vision that we've had, I think that's a very rewarding part of, um, one of the most rewarding parts of the, uh, the conference for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So energy transition is, is a long-term game it's going to take a whole series of steps to get there, to really get from point A to point B where we really want to be. Having said that, you know, what are those near-term priorities? What are the things that we should be doing now in order to set ourselves up successfully for energy transition? Sure. So I think that there's almost two or three ways that you can look at that. So, so from the project type and the, the, the types of investments that you're going in, we talked about some of the biofuel type projects. I think there's other um, important projects that are going to be out there. Because I think you need all the pathways. But I think that investing, some of the pathways are going to take longer than others. And I think that immediately we do have to start the work towards that, the infrastructure to be able to use hydrogen and its derivatives uh, to eventually work towards that kind of global scale so that, that you have it eventually, you know, some of those derivatives eventually becoming more commoditized and become something that gives access to clean fuel sources and clean um, uh, feedstock for a number of different applications across the, uh, across the globe. And so that takes longer, though, because you're farther away from having infrastructure and demand that can harness that. And so we need to start immediately on working towards that. But you can't do that in a vacuum because it won't yield the short-term results that you need. And so you need to couple that with some of the um, other activities in blue hydrogen and in, um, in biofuels and other things in order to make sure that you're, you're balancing the effort that you have on, on both. And the other thing is that, that regionally, geopolitically, there are different resources available and different policies that constrain or enable you in all the different places. So um, I think you also have to be really, really smart and find good technological solutions to be able to 
understand where you're going to be able to you know, get the most value, both economically and from a decarbonization standpoint. And I guess there's, a, there's the biggest bang for your buck, but there's also the quickest bang for your buck, right? This is a, an immediate pressing problem, so we need to find those Correct. solutions that are gonna get us there really quickly. Yeah, and so, and, that, and that's where you get into, it's nice that you're gonna build out this nice infrastructure and you're gonna go for the lowest carbon hydrogen over time in order to replace many of these um, end use cases, whether, and not just in refining and petrochemicals, but in transportation, in power generation, um, in heating, in even new industries. But there are things you have to do in the interim because it's going to be too long. You're, you're probably looking more in the 2040 to 2060 range before that becomes a reality. There's a lot of years between now and then that we need to focus on getting our carbon intensity down. So I think that's that's a that's fair. The, the good thing, and I, the, one of the things I'd like to share is the, the the reflection I've had since I've been here is that when walking. So the way that the Sierra Week set up is you have um, a number, you have all the major sessions, but then you also have um, a number of kind of these houses that are set up and these these other areas where there's displays of various you know, larger technologies and different specialty technology discussions that, that are happening. And as we've walked across, as you, as you spend time here and you look at a lot of the momentum around a lot of the major uh, integrated hydrogen, der hydrogen derivative projects that have a lot of momentum and, and a lot of um, buzz and, and, and really it feels like have the most momentum to be the, the successful ones that are gonna move forward. Feels like there's a whole lot of them that Wood are involved in, mm. and and to the point of almost almost all of the major ones that that really have the most momentum here. And so, oftentimes you can sit in your office or you can be you know just in your microcosm within the company. You say, oh, we're involved in a couple of these projects, but there are there's probably so many more of them out there. But coming here and seeing where you have this, this concentration of the best and most advanced projects in the world being represented and, and seeing that you're part of so many of them, it's, another, it's been another, uh, that's probably the other really, really rewarding part of this so far has been to be able to interact with all them and, and, and know how much we've contributed to things that are really, really hard to do. And I guess there's something encouraging, there's something that gives you hope there that says, well, you know, this is a macro, it's been called, you know, the, the greatest challenge of our lifetime. Sure. There are steps that we can take. We know some of the paths we can take in order to make that difference. Yeah, and, and, and not just that, that, that we've, the, the, the paths that are being the most successful feel like the paths that we're on. Yeah. And so, so from that standpoint, it in some ways validates some of the decisions that we've made, but also says, okay, if we go ahead and we're bold and we try to look years in advance and we, we, we take some chances and we, we invest in certain, for us, um, subject matter expertise, training up our, our staff. Because one of the other things is everybody here, you know, you go around and you have discussions with all the, the owners and all the other players that are in the industry and everybody is constrained by the same lack of talent or I say talent, I mean expertise in certain of the new technologies just because the world didn't need this much expertise in these technologies three years ago. Right. Um, and it's clear to me that it's not a problem that we're going to go higher and, and, and just be able to all cannibalize each other to do. And so the importance of, of some of the investment that, that we've made of trying to create the industry's next set of leaders in these technologies um, also really feels like that, that we're on the right track there, that we're investing in the right, in the right areas and that, that we're enabling our people to take greater um, you know, positions of leadership within the industry and thought leadership in the industry 
on CCUS on the different uh, hydrogen, methanol, ammonia, uh, sustainable aviation fuels, e-methanol, e-gasoline, a lot of the different things that we've really developed a lot of strength around. So I think that that's also been something that's been um, kind of illuminating for me since I've been here. That's great, it's really helpful. Justin, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to hang out with us to talk to the podcast. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your time here at Cedar Week. For those of you who've been listening along, um, feel free to, to check out woodplc.com forward slash podcast where you'll see all of the episodes from here at Cedar Week. And in the meantime, thanks very much for joining us.